Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode number 53. This episode is brought to you by my free narration cheat sheet. Now, if you know anything about Charlotte Mason and her homeschooling methods, you've probably heard of narration, but we are not an actual really strict Charlotte Mason homeschool. We're pretty eclectic, but I still love to use narration with my kids. So if you want to learn more about what this is and how to use it and grab a free one-page cheat sheet that you can go ahead and print and have on hand, go ahead and grab this free cheat sheet by going to 41more.com forward slash library. Welcome to episode 53, which I have affectionately titled, I don't use printables and you shouldn't either. Now I wrote a blog post with this exact topic a couple years ago. And occasionally I go to Pinterest and I see that people have commented under it. And sometimes they're really offended that I came across as bossy. And I want you to know that if you use worksheets and tons of them in your homeschool and it's totally working for you, I don't want you to change just because I don't use printables. But here's the thing I've learned over the years in the homeschool community It kind of comes across as the more worksheets and printables that you print off and have your kids do, the better education they're receiving. And I just don't agree. Now, I've been a classroom teacher. I know there has to be a paper trail. As a homeschool mom, I know there has to be a portfolio in some states, and you do need the written work and the the worksheets. But I just don't think that keeping kids busy with worksheets equals an effective education all the time. And sometimes we think it's the only way to assess whether or not our kids know their stuff. But are there other ways that you can assess your kids' progress without relying on worksheets? I think there are. And in this episode, I want to talk about 10 strategies to use that I think work actually better than printables or worksheets. So by the time we get to the end of this podcast episode, I kind of hope I've convinced you to lay aside the just huge piles of worksheets, especially if it's stressing you out and you're spending hours on Pinterest looking for cute worksheets, and then you're spending hours printing them, and then you're having to organize them, and then your kids kind of complain because they don't want to do more worksheets. Listen, when I was first homeschooling and my kids were kind of really little, we got a little bit into the worksheet bandwagon on some stuff. And I printed this cute, you know, big chunky geography worksheet laid in unit study for my little kids. And honestly, it was so stupid because 
My kindergartner and first grader, they would have been much better off reading stories about different countries, looking at the map, like doing hands-on things, making maps and salto maps, which we did a little bit of, but I was a little bit hung up on the worksheets. So I've been there. I talk from experience. I've been in a classroom as a teacher, and I know that sometimes we we have to rely on keeping our students busy, filling out worksheets sometimes. And so I want you to know that if that's what your homeschool looks like, it's okay. If it's working for you, keep it. But if it's stressing you or the kids out, maybe consider throwing out the worksheets. Does this mean you can never do a math worksheet or never do a worksheet again in your homeschool? Of course not. My kids fill out math pages all the time. We do occasional worksheets. But to have a steady diet of it is not always the best thing. So let's jump in to the 10 strategies to use that work much better than principles. The first strategy that you might want to consider switching to is using living books. Living books is what Charlotte Mason refers to books that are just not textbooks, you know, just dry fact-based, but actual stories and biographies and this kind of thing. So in my example of geography curriculum that I early on printed out reams of worksheets, instead, we could have just read tales of faraway lands, stopping to check the location. I mean, really immerse the kids in a really creative and um, story-based way to present the information on geography using living books. That's the first strategy. Number two is notebooking. Notebooking can be as simple as grabbing a spot notebook and having your kids artfully, creatively, thoughtfully, and personally interacting with the subject matter. So are you studying birds, for example? Maybe your kid will research the local birds, make lists of the information, add a sketch of a bird. If you're studying a world history, your kids might draw maps of the region. They might put timelines in there. It basically becomes a personal learning journal. But The reason why notebooking works so well is because they're not acting passively. Worksheets are a lot of times they're passive. They're fill in the blank. Um, With notebooking, it makes your child take an active role deciding what they're going to put in their notebook and deciding how to present the information. And active learning is always better than passive learning. So we've done living books. We've mentioned notebooking. Number three, how about lap books? Lap books might have a similar flavor to notebooking, but they're usually smaller in scope. So, you know, for social studies, you might have a spiral notebook that lasts you the whole year, but a lap book might be just for one unit. And a lot of times lap books are, they're just manila file folders that you creatively fold and you put in little bits of, um, cut paper into smaller books, and you make this whole learning journal in a smaller scale using these file folders. And I will link to things related to all these. If you don't know what a lap book is, head over to the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 53, and I'll link to all these things. I remember when my kids were little in the lower elementary years, when we read the Chronicles of Narnia out loud with one of them, we did a lap book to help just kind of Um, with the comprehension and, you know, the plot and the characters and all this stuff to just record what they were learning. Instead of filling out worksheets, they were creating lap books. Um, What about simply reading? I think reading is always a better option than filling out worksheets or printables. You know, for example... I see a lot of curriculum that includes crossword puzzles or word finds as like the worksheet and it boggles my mind. Like if you're going to do a crossword puzzle on George Washington, are you actually learning or is it just kind of busy work? 
I feel like instead of filling out a crossword puzzle about George Washington, maybe we should get a really cool book that's just so interesting and we just need to read about George Washington. I guess this kind of um, repeats my first point of living books, but reading could be a better option. It might not even be a living book. Maybe it's a magazine, a cool kids magazine that has information related to this topic. I think that's more um, interesting. Your kids are going to retain the information more than always filling out a worksheet. Number five, what about student produced stories? So instead of filling out a book report printable, which can be really low level, you know how it is when the kids like are loathing having another worksheet to fill out and you say, here, I want you to fill out this book report. They kind of just put anything in to fill in the space that you're satisfied they did the work. I mean, come on, admit it. You've seen your kids do it. And maybe you even did this back in the day when you were in school. You know, instead of giving them a template with the basics of plot structure, why not have your child compose his own story to show what he knows? Or instead of another boring science worksheet, maybe they can write a make-believe journey through the respiratory system. So maybe you can have them produce their own story. You know, there's a reason why Magic School Bus is so popular because Mrs. Frizzle takes the kids on adventures. You actually never see her class filling in blanks on printables, do you? And so I think the more student-produced work we can use, the better. Here's number six. What about student-produced outlines or fact sheets? Once again, if you feel like you have to get some cold, hard facts in writing, have your kids do the active work, right? They're going to retain much more when they are doing the active thinking. It doesn't take much effort to fill in the blanks of a worksheet, but if they need to read about the science topic and then decide which information is important, they are using higher level thinking skills as they analyze, synthesize, and create their own notes. So this kind of goes back to notebooking as well. A lot of these things are interrelated and you might use an aspect of one and an aspect of another. But here's number seven, student-produced collages of information. This is for your visual kids, right? The visual kids who aren't so much into writing it down, maybe your dyslexic kids who that would be a huge struggle to be writing out a lot of information, but kids still love to show what they know. So give your child a topic and instead of giving them mindless printables to fill out, give them a big piece of empty poster board. Then after they study the topic, read about it, research it, they can cut out or create illustrations. They can assemble a great showcase of learning. This is always a fun activity. And there's a reason that elementary schools typically use this kind of project at least a couple times in the elementary career, right? You come into school with this big poster board with your information on it. Well, if you make sure your child produces it, it's student produced, they're going to learn a whole lot more than just filling out a worksheet. Here's number eight. I mentioned this in my intro, narration. This might be the simplest yes, yet most profound assessment technique. Here's how you use it. After your child has read or studied a topic, all you do is have them tell back to you what they learned. This actually requires them to analyze and synthesize the information because they have to decide what to tell you and in what order. So is there cause and effect? Even five-year-olds can be taught this technique. And I learned about narration from The Well-Trained Mind, which is a super awesome resource that I think every homeschool mom should read. And I'll link to it in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 53. 
Um, I'm going to link to tips on narration and in the show notes, as well as my narration cheat sheet, which makes it really easy to just print out, have it with your homeschool stuff and pull out and use it with your kids. So next time you're tempted to pull out another worksheet to feel like I need to see what they know, go ahead and try narration. Now, narration can also become written work because after your child narrates, if they're old enough, you can have them turn that narration into like written work. Or if they're too young, you could copy it down and be like the scribe that keeps a written record of what they said. All right, here we go. Number nine. Number nine is discussion. Now, discussion can sound a bit like narration, but instead of retelling, it's actually a back and forth between two or more people. This is a fun way to assess whether or not your children understand their history topic or their science topic. You can even play devil's advocate and push them a bit to see how much they know, and you just might be surprised. I enjoy doing this even with my high schoolers, especially my child with dyslexia. He can often do a really deep discussion. Whereas if I asked him to write it all out, he might have a harder time. And here's the last tip I'll leave you with. It's just oral questions and answers. So some worksheets are essentially written questions, just demanding a dry, simple little pat answer. But when you take this assessment to an oral presentation, you're helping your student to think on his feet and formulate complete thoughts. Now, this is similar to narration and discussion, but once again, you can go deeper into a topic based on the answers you receive and the student gets immediate feedback. This is why homeschooling is so great because if they fill out a worksheet, sometimes it gets stuck on a pile and you don't actually look at the answers till days later and they might have put in a whole bunch of wrong answers. They didn't get their immediate feedback. Whereas if you can go back and forth with questions and answers, you can clarify. Um, so if they didn't understand something, you can actually ask questions that help lead them to the correct answer or help lead them through the discussion. Um, some curriculum that does really well with this is writing with skill, which we love for like middle school and even into high school writing um, instruction. Because if your students don't know something, it's not filled with worksheets, it's filled with student writing samples, but part of the instruction is oral questions and answers, and it gives the parent a script to actually know what to ask their child, and then going back and forth till your child understands and is able to come up with the answer. Another curriculum that does this really well is all about spelling, and this is another one of our favorite curriculums. So I will link to all these resources in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 53. I'll end this episode by saying this controversial statement again that I think principals cause more busy work than actual work. And sometimes they can cause you as the homeschool mom a whole lot more effort because you're printing and organizing and grading them and storing them. Who has time for that? Instead, grab a book, head outside on a nature walk, learn about history by reading a biography and visiting a historical site. You can talk together, have conversations with your kids about what they're learning. You know, every once in a while, a worksheet might be needed, but for the most of the time, take the authentic relational approach to education that homeschooling was made for. It just can't be replicated in a public school, even though they try. So embrace that one-on-one -on -one approach and leave the principles behind. You'll be glad you did. Hey, thanks for joining me on today's episode. Check out the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 53. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling. 